0: Welcome to Love Extremist Radio. Being a love extremist means committing to and choosing love as joyful activism. I'm your host, Ethan Lipsitz, self-proclaimed love extremist. Love can exist everywhere, and yet, when talking about it, we all seem to define it differently. There are many environments and individuals to whom love seems lost, or was never there to begin with. I want to engage myself, my guests, and you to confront love, get to know it as it appears in many forms, and learn from others who have love stories to share. I'll focus on three frames of love, self-love, love love in partnership, and love in community. My intention is to uncover and share stories that shed light on love in new and often forgotten ways. What's up, fam? We are back again with Love Extremist Radio. It is a rainy Sunday in Philadelphia, and I am so grateful to be sitting across from Leonzo Vargas. Uh, Leonzo is the CEO of Global Village, which is spelled G L B L V L L G if you're looking it up on Instagram or anywhere online. Uh, Global Village is an entertainment and wellness company whose mission is to redefine urban wellness by bringing wellness to minority and underserved communities. Global Village's flagship event is the Village Jam, which just happened this past week here in Philly, a monthly jam concert where the headliner is the audience. The first Village Jam featured only five people in 2016, but today they draw hundreds monthly in Philly, D.C., Brooklyn, Austin, Houston, and London. And Leonzo and I were connected through our great mutual connect, Michael Farber, originally at Breakout. And if you aren't familiar with him, he actually has a new podcast. Have you listened to his stuff? Honestly Speaking is his podcast uh, with Eddie and um, Jim St. Germain. And it's an amazing conversational podcast as well. But welcome. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank yeah. You for having me. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, dude. Um, Villa Jam was incredible. Just to paint the picture, imagine a circle of hundreds of people sitting on the floor, standing up, dancing, and a band that was probably, what, at least, like, 15, (laughs) at least 15 deep, with, like, multiple drummers, like, of all types, like, multiple, like, keyboards, like, samplers, like, everything was going on. Yeah. And this crowd of people circled up with a microphone was just going around. And it was this beautiful experience of people just like bringing their heart and their soul into the circle, sharing their work. And then around that was all this art. And so people had showed up and like brought out their canvases and brought out their clothing and their food and their jewelry. And it was like, it felt like a a part of the city, like a, a little section of the city. And I know it was pieces from all over. We're coming together to really just be in community. Yeah. And it was ultimately, creativity was like the consistency of, the, right. of what brought everyone in. Right. How, do you, how do you feel when that happens? What's, what's the energy there?
1: How do I feel when that happens? <laughs> the way I feel when I see these things happening is it's euphoric. Yeah. I feel a sense of euphoria because... People are able to be their their pure self, and uh, and it's hard to be that when you're in a room of two hundred people, right? Because plus, right? Because you always feel that once you're around, when you're around a bunch of people, when you're around a bunch of people, you have to kind of act a certain way, move a certain way, because you're seen by these many people, and the lights were bright. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say (laughs) that spot was not low key. Not
1: at all. Not at all. And that's the thing. It's like. Um, we've been conditioned to think that these events, intimate events, need to be low light. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been conditioned to, to think that in order to be in a performance space, the lights have to be low. Mm-hmm. When like, nah, man, let's let let everybody be seen. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. To allow everybody to be seen, allow everybody to be heard. I think it was great because the art you were able to see the art at all times. True. You know what I mean? So, and people were
0: creating art on the fly, too. There was the whiteboard. The yeah. yeah, so it's
1: it's art. It's all kinds of art happening. It's not just, like, music, right? So it's, like, conversation. You got the melodies. You got the raps. Mm-hmm. You got the painting. You dancing. got the food being made. Mm-hmm. You got the dancing. You got jewelry being made. It's right. consistent, impro- like, in- improvisation. It highlights all forms yeah. more forms of art and then, uh, so. yeah so i feel is this sense of euphoria of like um, this is this is something special
0: how did it come to you like how did you vis- like how did this evolve mm-hmm. into what it is today cuz i i will say to that point the bright light i was like oh this is this is going to be like super like bright right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i wasn't expecting it and then but the warmth of the crowd and the yeah. people was like oh there's there's family here. it's like community and it felt like a holding space right. so that when someone grabbed the microphone it didn't feel like they were on the spot it was much more like no, we're all here for you and that was unique it could have been the other way it could have been cooler right people could have been more like oh my gosh you know but everyone was like holding each other in a way but how did how did that come about how did
1: how did it so I'm gonna make this as as short as possible okay it's, it's really it's really uh a long story now that we're two and a half years in, right? So, the way that it came to me was I took a trip to Honduras. My mother took took me and my two sisters to a trip back to her homeland, right? Okay, in Honduras. Right? So I'm a first generation uh, citizen. Nice. Um, so she took. So we went to Honduras, and um, you know, being there, uh, it was a very a very big culture shock. Mm-hmm. You know, because one. Um, you, you you really see how people survive with as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Right? And in order to survive, they have they have to create for themselves. And to be honest, that was my first, like, um, the first time I saw entrepreneurship, right? My aunt had a flip-flop shop. Oh, okay, all right. people like, from the space, will send flip-flops from Navy, oh, and she will sell it. Interesting. You know what I yeah. mean? And like the Way people, you know, grow their own mangoes, oranges, right, or um, more like mangoes and um, and like different fruits, but like uh, other things were like exported. But mm-hmm. the way they use that to create their products to like have this have the system to uh, survival, mm-hmm. you know, of uh, 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 doing their best to, to thrive. Um, when I was there, um, I came up when I first my first day coming into the village, I come out the car. Um, and I see, and I see a boy running, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the boy is my cousin. But I like to say boy, just to like picture it, like mm-hmm. a boy running. Yeah, um, he's running with no shoes on, right? And when I came there, when I came there, I, like made sure I had the latest thing. I was flying off the plane, and like, man, when I saw that he was running with no shoes on, happy with his friends. They also had no shoes on, man, laughing. To to a a laugh that I've never experienced, man, like, you know, pure joy. Wow. Right, because he was just, he he was just. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? He
0: wasn't trying to be anything but him.
1: But him. And, like, man, that, like, hit me so hard. And I, like, kind of felt like a shame in that. Mm. I felt shame in that because I was like, dang, like, what? And I didn't know anybody, Right. Right. so like I'm used to the Bronx I'm used to I'm used to the States you know this is the way you're supposed to look this is how you show your value mm-hmm. and there they show their value by being kind
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know um, so so then I got to a place where uh, a couple of days later my, my aunt right so there was right on the equator is mad hot bro mm-hmm. super hot <laughs> you don't want to wear shoes <laughs> right? <laughs> right so she um, got to a place where she was um, where the AC was broken Okay. So she needed it to be fixed. you needed a mechanic. Yeah. And then there's a mechanic in the village who needed uh, food that night so she could thin her and he fixed the AC. And that's when they clicked. Wow. And boom. Oh, snap. Like, exchange. Like, this is how it operates most of the world. Oh, actually, this is actually what we do in the States, too. Right? And, and especially in the Bronx, when like, you know what I mean? My, 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 um, uh, my mom needed a babysitter she would go leave us and then my my babysitter will come over anytime she needs to get sugar or rice you know yep. something like that yeah. so um uh, so yeah that's when like that whole exchange and how like community drives together it, it hit me and I was like oh village village and then when I came back to the states I spoke to my friends about it who are also first generation Yeah. uh, uh, uh born citizens and um uh, they were like, man, like it's the same thing back home for me. Right, and I was like, oh, global. This is this happens everywhere. Global village, and that's where sort of the concept of global village came. In. And then, um, man, long story short, I was like, I was at a place where. Um, I started out as a musician, an artist, right? and I needed a place. I love the rain in the background. Yeah, we got this man, background man. rain. This is about to be crazy. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this background. <laughs> so, we got the vibe in the background. The vibe. Hey, Anna, even got the camp Montana. For right? The I got candle the candle blowing. blowing. It's all yeah. happening. <laughs> we got tea. What's the name
2: of this tea again?
0: We got some Bengal spice. What? Get yourself some Bengal spice, spice while you're listening to this podcast right <laughs> yeah, it's, now. It's legit.
1: It's beautiful. So um, yeah. So yeah. So then I got to a place where I was a performing artist, and um, you know I was doing my thing with we like selling those shows, which was great, but like um, it wasn't fulfilling to me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, once I came back, mm-hmm. why do you think that was? Because I know that I saw the truth, and the truth is that um, uh, the way the way music and, and media culture is portrayed to us on like needing these needing these things like cars, fashion, this, that, love. Right. But not love in a way where it's unconditional. Love in a way where it's filling a void. Mm-hmm. Right? These are these are things that like are are created to continue to sell products. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's put into the media. And like when I saw that like people were loving just without any of that stuff. Just not because of what you have Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I was like, oh man, like this, I can't do this. I I can't do, I personally can't do this. Like, You know, so, uh, yeah, so then from there I was like, okay, so what do I talk about? I didn't have anything to talk about. Right. You know, one, because I didn't know who I was, because who I was is what the world told me I am. Right. So I like dug deep and I, I searched my history. I learned about my grandfather, who was also about community and music and family and um, I took after his name, mm. and then um, from there, um, I just started. I just started building, and then uh, I connected with my co-founders after vehicle and I realized that like, man, I, I want to create some pyramid I want to create some from the roots to bring us back to that source. And then um, I told them the vision, and they're like, "Man, like, this is something we always wanted to be a part of." And we joined together and for the next year. We worked on branding. We worked on you know who we're gonna target. What's our logo? What's our this? What mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, and then we started the first jam after a, a failed event called Village Nights, where, where we really tried doing what what isn't real. <laughs> uh, the thing that we that we stray away from, when we went back to where we try to have a, an event like a party event. You know, okay. Yeah. It's like reggae, like island vibe, and really it took after this uh, event we used to go to called River Dead so it wasn't mm-hmm. offensive we were just trying to create the same thing for the women mm-hmm. uh, which was very. Greg and I Sunday night we were with that thing for the Duffy it a Sunday Sunday the- mm-hmm. and it failed man after like months of promotion it oh. failed him. Um, it was out um, South Street and as anyone from Philadelphia knows South Street is one of the busiest yeah. busiest streets but on this night it was completely empty on a Saturday oh no you know, tumbleweeds rolling fucking oh. cowboys coming out it was <laughs> empty like, damn man,
0: nobody out for cheese steaks like, on South Street
1: like, after months 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 of promotion man walking walking promoting to other people only 10 people came to that thing and like mm. I remember sitting on the curb and man crying like because it was demoralizing as a leader, mm-hmm. right? And one um, of my co-founders, Wrath, he was like, "Yo, bro, of course it failed. That's not us. We make music, bro. Like we spread love, we spread energy." Um, so then I took some time off, and um, I saw this uh, video, this documentary of me, of uh, that my other co-founder, Mieko, showed me the day I was getting evicted. Actually, wow. in my studio, wow. and I spent a year raising money and took a job at a server to buy, because I was like, I needed the space to be. Mm-hmm. And then um, on, on the day that I was getting evicted, um, Niko came up and he's like, I gotta show you something. And so I just dropped this documentary um, of A Seat at the Table. Yeah. Right? And um, the way she created the album was all improv.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I looked at him and I was like, yo, we gonna do a jam. But what we gonna do is we gonna include all as many artists as you can but it's not I mean, just gonna be about the artist it's gonna be about the movement behind it right. and that's what makes it not just a jam because you come used to the, the entertainment's cool but you feel more than that you feel a movement you mm-hmm. feel truth you feel warmth mm-hmm. right um, and then and was then, it always just sorry to cut you off just quickly
0: was it always more than music or did it start as just music
1: always more than music because okay. during that entire year where we were creating man like, we were struggling to figure out what the e what the uh, you know what I mean wearing the same clothes every day but what kept kept me going and kept us going was <coughs> doing um, uh doing doing a lot of reading, a lot of journey, mm-hmm. a lot of meditating. And this is like to be honest, like before the self care wave, before the wellness wave, right. which I'm glad it is a wave, but like before that. So this was like purely like, yo, like this this helps me. Like my mm-hmm. friends would be like you know, like, it was like, they didn't get it. They didn't get it, but I was like, Your hey, intuition was telling it. you. Exactly. You needed and, and this was at a time where the thing to do was go to clubs, open rags, right. go right. to bars. And right. I cut all that out. Like, I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. I stopped hanging out to people who were into that. But I didn't have a place to go. Right. So I needed to create that place for me where I know there's more people who are looking for that place and mm-hmm. then that's where Global Village came in. I was like, we're gonna meditate, we're gonna do this, we're gonna show people wellness. Like people still come to the gym and they're like, man, this is my first time meditating. Wow. You know, like yeah. and that's the beautiful thing about it, you know, and, and that's why I dress the way I dress, and make sure I still am who I am and where the joy is wear this because my thing is to attract the people from my, my communities and not all of a sudden start wearing this the meditation um uh, <laughs> meditation wardrobe yeah, and yeah. disconnect. From that crowd because right. that's not kind of my goal. My goal is to really bring wellness to the communities that it's not it's not being uh, highlighted in. Because to me, the world needs it, but I feel like the people who are oppressed and uh, repressed really need it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, how, that's yeah.
0: Cool. It also sounds like it's something that like came through for you through your roots right. and your family,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and ultimately, it's like the original wellness actually is within all of us, right? Like you you tapped into your intuition and what you needed as a human and instead of looking outside. And I think if you think about, yes, the wellness wave is probably no different than the wave of hip hop culture or patriarchal culture or anything else, right? It's a wave that can maneuver and manipulate society, often in the form of capitalism and selling products. Or experiences. So what you recognized when you went to Honduras, which I'm just reflecting back to you, was essentially a communism, which is the communal exchange of value it doesn't have to be based in money, capital. It can be based in time. Yeah. It can be based in craft and what you make. Food can be exchanged for the fixing of an air conditioner. Right. right. It doesn't have to be. And similarly, so you know, that can that can expand into other frameworks in terms of the village.
2: Yeah.
0: When you think about it though, that communism exists for us. Like I just read this book called Debt, all about this. And and communism is essentially, I believe, something that like we have in close quarters. So it could just be in your house, right? If it's like you're living with friends or you're living with a someone that you love or your family, yeah, if you got sugar, like, and someone else needs sugar, of course, yeah. just take some sugar, it's no big deal. And, like, we recognize, like, when do those walls get put up? Is it, like, when the stranger comes in the house? Is it actually, like, someone from, like, five blocks away? Is it someone from another country? Is it someone from another skin color? Like, what is it that keeps us from, like, just giving ours and understanding it'll come back? And I think, like, that recognition that, like, we actually are all communists in our comfort zone, right? And then as soon as we move out of it, it's like, hmm, why am I not being... Share it. Why am I not offering what's mine, you know, if if you're the same religion or the same background or whatever, you know, like there's often this like sense of like, yeah, we'll support you. Yeah. So often people have distress, medical, whatever, like financial, and it comes up and people come together and pool their resources to support someone because they love them, because they care about them, Yeah. you know. Yeah,
1: I think then it comes back to uh, um, one stat, so it's funny because I'm working on it. I'm working on my script for a TED Talk. Nice. You know, and um, the, the piece that I'm working on is called, uh, it's basically around self-expression, mm. and um, what happens when that gets cut off. And I feel like that comfortability happens when you're in a place where you can authentically be yourself, mm. right? Which is rare rare to find that place? Mm-hmm. But once you once you step into a place where you don't feel that, that's when that whole sharing thing cuts off mm-hmm. because you don't know who's in the room for what. You do know or wherever you at, right? Like you, wherever environment and space you're at. Like once you're outside of that communal space where you can be yourself and you feel that like people are actually there to, to see you prosper. Once you get to like uh, a a workspace, right? Mm. Where, the space of competition, yeah. Then it becomes a oh no because the less resources I have, mm-hmm. then, but then I won't survive in this. So I gotta keep mine. I gotta keep mine. You know what I mean? Or else I lose, I lose my status. I lose my my, my sense of belonging. I might get rejected, which is then a, a survival mechanism because you know back in the early days, like being being shunned or rejected means that you you now out in the wild and you're basically dead. Right? You got to fend so, for yourself, right? for yourself. So now it becomes this survival thing. And man, I mean, we all know that's what that's that's the goal of the of the society that we're in is to make you feel like that, so you can continue to continue to think, to get things that you don't need, so that way you never run out.
2: Mm. You know.
0: And and ultimately, the lesson is: when you run out, you will be supported.
1: And You never run out. Right. Because it, it keeps coming back. It keeps, coming, it keeps back. coming back. When you don't use it, somebody else is using it. Yeah. But when you need it again, then it comes back. But when you're done with it, give it, let it put it out. People want to hoard it.
0: So there's this there's this like challenging reference I'm going to make because there's a lot of associations to this culture that aren't always... Isn't that good? The tea is fire. <laughs> Yeah, the tea is amazing. Bengal spice, everyone. Wow. Celestial Seasonings, I think it is. Um, There's this communal event that happens once a year called Burning Man. I'm sure you've heard about it. Mm -hmm. And whether you love it or you hate it, regardless, what I came back from, my experience of being at Burning Man years ago was that I could walk anywhere, in any type of clothing or not clothing, speak to anyone, walk into any camp, for the most part, this might be changing, but I felt welcomed pretty much anywhere with any group and could participate. And I was often offered things. And even upon going to Burning Man, I didn't show up with enough stuff. Like you're supposed to go with water and food and all your stuff for the week. And I showed up with like a backpack. Mm-hmm. And so there's this expression, and that I don't recommend going to Burning Man, by the way, that way. That, <laughs> that wasn't, that was very much, um, taking from the community versus giving to. Mm. I did have things to give. My, my art I gave, but I, I didn't have certain resources that I relied on others for. And I ended up, you know, I of course paid for that and, ha- you know, friends gave it. But there's this expression, the playa provides. And if you take that out of the playa, the world provides ultimately when you trust it. And the largest lesson I learned from Burning Man was I felt like I was in my living room everywhere I went. It was like, I could just like go here. Like I could just sit back, have a conversation with someone. And I was like, what's up? Who are you? Like, I see you, you know? And, and it never felt like I had to posture or be someone else. And being able to bring that feeling of being in my living room back into the everyday life has been one of the greatest lessons. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I forget, of course, but it's so important to remember to be in your body. It's like your body is this living room, the space that we inhabit. And we can take it all up. And often we don't even breathe into our full body, right? So when you come back to music, when we're making music, you need to breathe. And our breath often stops here, before our heart even, right? And if you breathe all the way into your body, you can touch your toes. Yeah, man. But a lot of people don't have a place to exhale. Yeah, that's so, right. So or what they're inhaling isn't clean. Isn't clean? Yep. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So then with that, never really learn that full action of breath. so like if you're not breathing how can you fully operate
0: how can you fully live how
1: can you fully
0: live exactly baseline so this has been a beautiful introduction to your story and the village and where you're coming from I'd love to just hear at a high level what love means to you
1: so I have two two things two definitions of love for me cool um One is love. Is to me, love is trust. Love is trusting yourself, because when you trust yourself, there's ultimately no like second guessing. Mm. Right? There's no hesitation. It's you have to fully accept in order to trust. Right? Mm. That's the unconditional. And for me, um, the reason why I say trust is because, um, literally, like a month before the jam started. I was like, man, I'm doing all the right things, da 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 da, da. I, was at, I, I was over at uh, Will's grandma, Will, uh, founder of uh, Red Philly, he mm-hmm. used to, like, um, every Sunday go up to his grandma's house to, like, she used to just give us that spiritual energy, mm. you know, and um, we were there, and I was saying all this, like, man, I'm doing, I'm doing all the right things, and um, my friend Duda was like, you just gotta trust yourself. And it's, funny, man, yo. <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, people could say so, but like, it's that time where you hear that thing at the right time. Right. And that literally changed my life. He's yeah. like, yo, you're doing everything right. Trust, trust yourself. Like, trust you, dude, and the way he said it, too, mm. in the space we were in, he was like, man, just trust yourself. He was like, bro, you just got to trust yourself. And I needed to hear it just like that. And it's like, yo, he was right, and like, ever since that day, I moved like that. Complete trust, mm. complete trust, because I know what I know. I'm doing the work, right? So the self work and the and the exterior work, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not shortchanging, and and this is like, no, you know when you half-assing the work, you know I'm not I'm I'm not half-assing the work, and I gotta trust in that because. It's like a tree, right? If you fully, if you got an axe in your hand and you're fully chopping at the tree, chop every day, chop like a strong chop, eventually that tree got to fall. Mm-hmm. You got to trust it. You got to trust, you got to trust in that. And um, so for me, love for self is, is trust. Okay. That's, that's how I define trust, love. Um, and then that reciprocates into other people. Because then I could fully share that thing with other people. Because if I don't have that trust and love for myself, then that love isn't pure for somebody else. It's it's gonna be so they can trust me, mm. so they can accept me, mm. so they can do this for me. But if I'm already, I'm already that. The love is pure. It's for nothing in return. Mm. You know. So like that's how I define um, love for me, man. And I love that question because there is no right answer.
0: There's so many answers. There's so There's many, many answers. Answered. And one of the things that prompts me to ask the question is I find so many of us either don't ask it or give up on creating our own answer. Yes. And we give up because we subscribe maybe to a cultural answer Mm -hmm. or it doesn't show up in the way that it's been presented to us or whatever reason. And ultimately, I think we've fallen away a lot from this sense of trusting ourselves yes. and from your story about the genesis of Global Village and stepping out of the life of the party and the you know, smoking and drinking and certain cultural aspects of your earlier life and intuitively checking in with yourself and what you needed. That is trust, ultimately, okay. right? Intuition and harnessing your ability to communicate with your body mm-hmm. and then act from that place. Yes. And what you're saying yeah. is people see that and recognize that in you. And that makes them trust you. And that makes them want to be around you and see your leadership and your charisma and be part of the village and be part right. of what you're building.
1: Right. Because, like, if I don't trust myself, people will feel that. Like, well, Exactly. Cause you have you ever like done something and you knew you shouldn't be like I should. I knew I shouldn't have done that. You get frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. You get frustrated, right? Because that because you didn't listen to yourself. Like. Right. Ultimately, you you didn't respect you didn't respect and fully love yourself at that moment. I feel totally. You know, like you 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 chose someone else's or something else be before yourself at that moment, and that's what's frustrated because you knew you already knew.
0: Yeah, you know? or, or maybe you felt like you had some social obligation to be away, exactly. right, to do something that wasn't in alignment, that you know. wasn't in trust of who you know you are.
1: Exactly. I like like that. So then here's my second one. Okay. I, wanna, I don't want to misquote it. Cool. But uh, this is something that really resonates with me. Great. And um, by this, now this, so this is something that really resonates with me, and by this uh, definition... Now, this is where, like, the romance and, like, um, or where the bond okay, Bond, right,
0: interpersonal,
1: right, okay, love being positively invested into the spiritual development of oneself, others, and then being reciprocated. Is that a quote? No, so it's funny because I went to this workshop called Un- Understanding and Undoing Racism, okay, and we collectively came up with our definition of love, okay, right,
0: because that's very close can you read it one more time
1: love being positively invested into the spiritual development of oneself others and it being reciprocated and mm-hmm. the reason why I say that to me is is for me that's the definition of love for uh, when it comes to a bond right or we want to call it a partnership is because you know People, if someone told me love is unconditionally loving someone, and I was like, "But like, if that's not being, if that's not being reciprocated, then you're just ultimately serving somebody."
0: Right. Well, it comes back to self. Right. Are you just doing it for the other person, like, or like intuitively? Is it coming back? Are you feeling full from that? You know, you have to check in with what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. So that definition. Sounds very consistent with some of the teachers that I've studied like Bell Hooks and Eric Fromm who was her predecessor and they write all about I mean her her book All About Love" really like presents that and the definition is ultimately honoring people where they're at and seeing their potential right and simultaneously that exists for ourselves and I believe that can exist to the world as well right I see this world I know it's got challenges. I love it as it is. And I know it can do better. And I'm going to be part of that process. You know, and it's a consistent, yeah, I see those like three lenses, right? There's the self, there's the interpersonal, how we connect as humans and beings. And then there's the globe, right? And how we can make impact beyond interpersonal levels, right? Into energetic atmosphere, like so much, right? And, and, And so... I love those definitions. Those are beautiful. Mm,
2: Thank
0: you. And it's great that, like, you have that in your back pocket and you can come back to that. Can you speak to, beyond Global Village, it's obviously an expression of love, of you trusting your vision and your voice, um, believing in the evolution of the community and yourself. Yeah. Can you speak to other places where you practice love on a regular basis?
2: Ooh.
1: Well, first... The place that I practice love the most, and like to be like, and this is so honest, is myself, you know. Like, as soon as I wake up, I look in the mirror, naked, hmm. closed, Um, before I step out to the door, I make sure I look at myself and I speak to myself first. Mm. You know, and then I check in with myself, mm. and it's like, man, like that to me is. The, the environment of my body, of my mind, body, and spirit is the first place in the, where where another place where I show love, Well, the first place where I show up. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, then the another place is now with my family mm. because once I've understood that uh, that uh, I went through this experience that was ultimately shifted and 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 uh, created and molded do with society's teachings and then having to deprogram and still doing the deprogramming and, and detaching from those identities and things of that sort and attributes, then I understood like, oh man, everybody, people around me are also trying to do this thing. The same thing. They're just doing their best while dealing with these anxieties, these pressures. A lot of them false, mm-hmm. right? And and they're doing their best. Their best. That's it. And they're trying their best. And really, um, that really showed up for me when it came to my mom. Man, like mm. subconsciously, I was blaming my mom for a lot of stuff. You know, I grew up without my, my, my dad. My dad was like, yeah. Nah. And like I've realized that like I was taking that anger out on her and like never really thought like, oh my god, how does she feel about the situation? Right. How right. does she feel about like raising four kids after somebody like walked out mm-hmm. and started another family? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But instead, in my head I was like and it right. at her because there was no one else to aim it at. You know? And then um and then understanding like, yo, she's somebody who came here from to the States, man, like in the 80s, as a black woman, in yeah, the Bronx, wow, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, Just, yeah, he's blonde, there's a know? lot, yeah. So, um, I got to this place of like showing up, showing love more within my family because that was something I pushed to the side, man. Like, I was doing my music thing, and the more I did it, I would like, um, remove myself more and more from my family because there was things about it that I didn't accept, yeah, you know, and um, yeah, so. I show up. My family is a real big place where I like show up and and, and uh, practice that that love because if I'm building a, a community for this for the world and like I got to put that work in mm-hmm.
2: in, my, in my home as
0: well. Absolutely, know, so. that's beautiful. I also just I think it's so interesting how so often we take our families for granted. For sure, you man. know, like it's like oh they're always going to be around or like you know. I can I can lean on them. I can vent to them. I can, yeah. like, put my stuff on them.
1: Like, these people literally supported you when you couldn't support yourself yep. from birth. Yeah. They could li- like, for real, for real, for real, for real, they could have left you there. Right. But they chose not to. And yeah. they chose to help you and support you out of love.
0: That's right. Right?
1: And, like, sometimes, like, we forget about that, you know? Like, yeah, like, you know, if, literally, if there's anybody to count on, is that because people who are there with you actually cannot help yourself. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's so important to recognize that and not to just rest on the laurels of, oh, my family will always be there, always have my back, but, like, really honor where you come from. And sometimes that's hard. And sometimes there's there's abuse, right? Or there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's trauma embedded in that process. Yeah. And maybe the honoring needs to happen from a distance, right? Like, yeah. it can't always be up close. But... Um, yeah. recognizing and it,
1: I also, I want to add to this too. Like, by that, I don't mean to say, like, feel like you're indebted to that, yeah, you know, because that's not that's not fair either, right? You know, thank you for and saying you, that, yeah, yeah. Then you start doing the things your parents want to do because you feel like you owe them stuff, but like, ultimately, not like you don't owe anyone anything. Mm-hmm. People chose to do what they wanted to do for you, It was a choice, you know, yeah,
0: and also the, the love you receive is the love you deserve. Mm-hmm. And you also deserve to give it, right? You know, and, like, I think that's a, that's that's one thing. So when you engage with someone, you mentioned a little bit, I, I know at the jam, like, one of the first songs you brought together uh, had the theme of struggle in it, and you've mentioned really, about like, words around kind of, like, liberation and exposure in terms of, like, who you're serving in the community and who you're wanting to bring in and who you're wanting to speak to. And when you engage with people where... Love, for example, doesn't feel like part of their vocabulary on a regular basis, whether that be of themselves or of others. How do you how do you approach that? What is that? How do you bring love to them?
1: By being it, mm. by being it, and then letting myself be the magnet. Mm. That's literally it. Like, bro, when I come out in the gym, I have no shoes on. Yeah,
0: you right. Know what I mean like yeah.
1: that's that. And, uh, to a community where what you have on your feet is how, is how your values determine. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, that. that's
0: the one thing that's meditation, Mumu mm-hmm. style, you know, like you have like the meditation vibes by being bare feet, but everything else is, is street.
2: Everything else is street. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: There's like, no Jordans in the gym.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, um, and I do that for a reason because like I come out and I know who I am. I know I'm this person with the original. I know I have this confidence. I know I have this leadership. I know people are looking at me like this person who's built this thing, mm-hmm. and that with that, I'm able to use that power mm-hmm. to show to show folks that like you dictate the way you want to be presented, mm-hmm. and you dictate your value, and you dictate where where uh how you show up. Mm-hmm. You know, like people will receive it as long as you're authentic and as long as you're real, and I come out with that energy. I come out with that passion I come out with that love and that thing is reciprocated and people respond to that when're like oh snap this first like because I when you walk out this is something that like I mean you might start noticing I know it happens a lot in New York living in Philly, like you come out of a car somebody looks at you they look at your feet uh, yeah you know they look at your feet like <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and then and then <laughs> sometimes that's how they dictate like if you're worthy of another eye contact
0: If you were a woman, they might look at something else. But yeah, okay.
1: I swear, you know, you feel me. So, um, um, yeah. So I just, I just show that by for folks who like don't, don't really have that definition of love or whatever. Because, like, man, love is a feeling. Mm. So I I just am it, you know, as as best as I can be. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel you. And I think the jam really presents an opportunity to give that in a meaningful way. I think a lot about how to um, engage when people rightfully so might be in a state of rage or a state of anger or fear, whatever is coming through, um, where it's really difficult for them to receive love or see love Mm -hmm. or love. The feelings that you might give of love are actually triggering to them because it's been used to manipulate them. And I'm grappling with that question. I don't know if you have thoughts there, but um, you know that's a question that I'm really grappling here because I, I don't want this to just be all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. I want us to be real about the fact that our country and our communities are struggling to find love right now.
2: Yeah.
0: And as lights in the world, it's important for us to recognize we can create places where light attracts light, but how do we go into the darkness and illuminate?
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of that, and that darkness has to happen in order for you to understand what love is. Yes. I feel, you know? Yes. And I think a lot of that happens because people are constantly searching for love. (laughs) Yep. You're constantly searching for love, man. Like, constantly, like, from your family. And and by love, I mean approval. Right. you People are confusing love with with approval and fitting in. And, like, that's... Success. Yes, and success. And that's what a lot of the the hurt comes from because it's like right. whether that's your parents whether that's your friends whether that's Instagram whether that's Twitter your constant bank account your bank account right ultimately those trigger that that love trigger when somebody just sets up to you and give you gives you that pure love you you think that they're doing it because they want something in return mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. that's fully why they can't accept it I, we did this thing this workshop with Danny Hart's Danny Hart um uh, It's this amazing, incredible woman who comes to the jams, and um, we write. Uh, af- she writes affirmations on the on the hearts, and she gets love out. It. Yeah. And um, every since the first day, she's been like heavily involved. Man, she's one of the purest people I've ever met in my life. say this on record, like I really love Danny Like I love her. We gotta get her on the show. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Be she's a love extremist for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, we had this workshop at one of our community Center where we hosted manifest, and um, within ourselves, we just like wrote wrote affirmations, and then we gave them out in West Philly on Fifty Second and Lancaster, which is like uh, one of the roughest uh, neighborhoods. They have we walked through like the two block radius, like up the street. Our first interaction, the first one we gave a heart to her sister. Uh, died of domestic violence that morning her husband killed her. we walked up the street they told us to make a left there was this spot called the pit where it's like prostitutes and pimps and we gave them hearts and like just those interaction man but like on that walk we were also them with people people like head down we giving us something. they like they're not even looking at it they like no you know off top mm-hmm. One, because they don't know how to receive that and then also they think that they're, they're selling themselves yep right you know, because you yeah. know how it is in the yeah. street, people are yeah. walking around with books and right. with books and they're yeah. like, can you donate, like, instead of just giving you the teaching, mm. you know what I mean? And like, so we just give up these hearts and then that's, so when you say that, like that, people are struggling and it's triggering for them, of like, it's it. and it's also this thing of like, people think that love is corny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> you know, it's the like. The first episode
0: of this season was all about, can we take love seriously? Yeah,
1: you because
0: it's right. so informed by trauma, or yeah, it's cheesy. It's like
1: Hallmark. It's like Valentine's Day, right? And people don't want to be seen yeah. in that vulnerability. Once you like, once they got that card and they start reading it, man, then like you get to this vulnerable place, and you are like, man, I don't want this, you know. And that happened a lot in that walk, and that like showed me, man, like this work that that we're doing, you know, is, is important. And that's why for me, uh, making sure that global reaches um, a mass influence success is very important to me. Mm. Very important to me. To me, it's, not, it's, it's deeper than just than just doing it um, in the neighbor, in the neighborhoods or with fifty people in a room. Mm. Like nah, man. Like that uh, is important for me to make sure that the jams get to a place where venues or a thousand people are coming, mm. two thousand people. Man, we we do a jam in Madison Square Garden because it shifts the culture. And if people can see that you can excel by being positive and showing love and having that same success as. Uh, through showing that love and energy, the same way that amigos has energy, and you mm-hmm. have that other option, more people will do love because that's the best way to live, you mm-hmm. know. And 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 by just being you and like, that's why man is so heavy for me and important for me to lose that to loose that mass influence, bro. Because like, it's gonna shift everything. It's gonna shift everything, bro. It's gonna shift everything. I
0: completely relate, and I want to say, as a fellow love activist. Like, it is important for us to be seen and heard. Um, also to continue to empower others to be seen and heard, which is so much what your language is about, empowerment. And recognizing as leaders we have a role and we can engage others to spread that gospel. And it's like, you know, it's like a tidal wave. You know, it, it flows outwards. Yeah. Walking away from a jam, walking away from an experience and, you know, I'm so happy you're speaking at TED. That's fantastic. Thank you. Congrats, and you. I really hope everyone here checks out Global Village. We're, we're wrapping it up because we're coming to an end, but I want to make sure that everybody knows, follow Global Village on Instagram, G-L-B-L-V-L-L-G. Um, what else do you want people to know about Global Village or how to stay connected to you?
1: Um, you could follow us on the website, um, on our website on YouTube, on Instagram, um, if you can't make it to a jam, feel free to watch a video. You know, like get get the content, um, and and please, I'm um, just stay up on on uh, what we're doing and our dates. Everything comes up on all of our social platforms. All the information is shared. And um, man, if you're listening to this, you are a village. Mm. You are enough. Mm. That's it. And and, and it's with no intention. I'm not here to preach. I'm not here to tell you what to be. Um, don't there's not nothing in exchange the only thing is um just want you just really really it's important for everybody listening to this to know that like you are enough that you're doing your best and that is enough and keep doing that and um, you already are Mm,
0: thank you thank you leonzo I just want to say we had a few weeks ago Jesse Israel on the podcast, and he leads the ma- uh, the Big Quiet, which are mass meditations around the country. And I really see the Global Village being that, right? He, you know, doing tours all over the country. So even if you're not in Philadelphia, if you are in Philadelphia and you're listening, for sure, make sure you get to a Village Jam because they're incredible and you've got to be there. And if you're not, come visit and like people should be coming from New York and D.C. and Baltimore okay. and all over to come out yeah, for you know, this.
1: You know what my goal, one of my big jump goals is is getting all these like movements, right? Like Daybreaker. Yep. The Big Quiet, the Village Jam, the Outer the- Nut. Oh yeah, exactly. You know. And, yeah. Um, and doing this, doing like a a one huge event, man, and like. Uh, Doing letting everybody lead their what they're they're great at, you know, like it's a great idea. Have they were gonna do the yoga and the dance, and within that, do the village jam, and then also have like the intimate circle of the blindfolding that you do, Mm. and then let the big quiet lead the meditation. Like that would be so powerful, bro. Like, and that will and and it will be impactful because now is intersection one, and we're bringing we're cross, we're crossing cultures. You know what I mean? You know that most people who come to the gym are people of color, are people from underserved communities. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who come who go to Daybreaker are not from that place. A lot of people right. who go to the the big choir are not from that place. Right. So now you're 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 now you're saying that. Meditation is not just for this these people and these people and these people go to get this place where meditation is are allowing everyone bring it all together to so maybe we could like sound, sound like that I, I like, like this that. idea. Like, we can do this. I think that would be dope. We can do
0: this. And I, the daybreaker folks are ha- fam too, so mm-hmm. that definitely can make this happen. Yeah,
2: man.
0: That's dope. Wow. All right. So to take us out, this has been an incredible conversation. We could talk for hours. Um, we're on the same vibe for sure. Um, but I'm so grateful for you coming out in the rain and spending some time with me Leonzo. Everyone follow Global Village. Um, this has been Love Extremist Radio. Follow me on Ethan Lipsitz on Instagram and uh, just extremist.love on, online. And uh, please leave a comment and post a, post a rating on iTunes or wherever you get this podcast. Just... Like Leonzo just said, the ability for more people to hear this is really like, intended to spread more love. And Leonzo shared some practical ways that he engages with love every day. And I really think it's important as my purpose, but also for this culture and this world to start talking more about love in serious terms. And I hope that this podcast can can spread that. And maybe you could leave a comment or a rating in, in, in service of that. Um, take us out. What's our what's your favorite love song?
1: My favorite love song is Pressure, Love and Affection. Okay. Yeah, I got the reggae island vibe. Beautiful. Let me give you
0: some love. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll play that on the outro.
1: Or play that Bob Marley Waiting in Vain. That's, that's, that's my jam. I don't wanna wait in vain. Yeah, that's my joint. Dude, last Outernet, I got the whole
0: squad singing that together. Mm-hmm. I know you're not about covers, but like, I like just like, came through and I'm like, We're going to sing this. And then we did it. It was beautiful. Awesome. Thank you. That's a great one. All right. We'll take it out with Bob. Thank you, Leonzo. Thank you, Global Village. And thank you all for listening. Have a beautiful week. Peace.
2: Thank